Good morning, USA and Toronto. Yo, 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 Good morning, Angela Yee. Peace to the planet. It's Friday. Yes. I'm trying to call DJ. Weekend? Yes, it is Memorial Day weekend. So I'm How trying to call Envy. I don't know where he is. I don't know if he's oversleeping. He's probably in not traffic. answering the phone. Probably got caught up in the kitchen. Heard his little huh. traffic congested in the kitchen at his crib. That's about it. How do we feel about Memorial Weekend? Is it, is, are we excited about it since we've been on quarantine for the past two, three months? It's the first holiday since we've been on quarantine, right? Well, I see Dr. Fauci encouraging people to go outside but still socially distance. I guess he's going hiking or something. And I, I mean, look, I'm excited because I get to have a little vacation. Working from home is not, you know, a vacation. So I'm excited. It's a lot more exhausting than I uh, thought it would be especially like all of the Zoom meetings. I think it's some type of computer fatigue. I had to buy my daughter some glasses that she has to wear because they say you, if you stay in front of the computer too long, it messes up your eyes or hurts your eyes or something like that. So yeah, I had to buy some just, glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I was having this discussion. Actually, I do have some friends who are traveling and going on vacation, though, this weekend. I was like, y'all, are, I don't know how I feel about that. But Domestically, you know. though, right? Uh, they are going to the U.S. Virgin Islands. I thought all travel... Hold on. Oh, this the, I That's don't part know. of the U.S. I'm, it's part of the okay. U.S. I'm not the highest so, grade of weed in the dispensary. I was confused. Okay, so you don't need a passport. But I tell you what, if you are going to be here, that versus battle with Beanie Man and Bounty Killer is happening this weekend. So I am super excited for that. That's going to be like a vacation. I'm putting that on the big screen. I'm already excited. I'm making drinks. They sent me some of that new Ciroc summer watermelon. So, and they sent me a big watermelon <laughs> to make the drinks and some mint leaves. So, what? I'm saving that. <laughs> well, it's did they send out watermelon? Water- they did send out a watermelon with the with the Ciroc because it's summer watermelon okay. flavor. So, you can make. Sense. And that is one of my favorite things to put in drinks is fresh watermelon. So, I'm excited for that. Well, that makes perfect sense. Um, we got a couple of guests today. Uh, this morning, we have DeAndre. DeAndre, right? DeAndre Whitfield. Dondre yes, Whitfield. Dondre he has a book. He's got a book out called Man versus Male. It's which, called uh, Male versus Man. There you go. Male versus <laughs> Male Man. Male versus Man. But you know him from Queen Sugar. He played Remy. He also uh, was in Real Husbands of Hollywood. He started off in soap operas when he was younger. He used to be on the Cosby Show. And he's married to the legendary Sally Whitfield also, who I think every young man had a crush on growing up. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, have another, we have another special guest. Uh, you might know him. He... Uh, goes by the name of Vice President Joe Biden. Um, he is the presidential candidate for the Democrats mm-hmm. in this year's yes, election. I see. 
I see he's vetting out Amy Klobuchar for vice president. Well, yeah, not just Amy, though. He's vetting out Amy Klobuchar. He's vetting out uh, Val Demings. He's vetting out um, Senator Harris. Like, it's a very short list of people that, that he's vetting out. I saw everybody flipping out over that yesterday, but I was like, well, that's what you do yeah. when you have, you know, quite a few presidential, uh, uh, not presidential, when you have quite a few people as your, you're, you're trying to pick as your running mate. I'm just trying to wake up here, people, okay? But, yes, we'll be talking to Joe Biden this morning. Um, yeah. Yeah. So stick with us, right? It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlamagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy. I don't know where the hell Envy is at, okay? Uh, but we don't have time for that right now. We got front page news going. Yee, what we got front page news? Well, it looks like your Dallas Cowboys are having some issues. Dak Prescott reportedly turned down a record-breaking contract. He turned down a five-year, $175 million contract from the Dallas Cowboys. That would have made him the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history. Instead, he wants to get something north of $45 million in his final season with the Cowboys. So people were shocked that he turned down that initial offer, and they also were upset that that offer was given to him in the first place. Uh, people are always upset when, um, you know, people turn down money. People, you know, don't sign their contracts. But people got to do what's best for them. So I'm not mad at Dak for that. Get what All you right, want, Brooklyn, Dak. My Brooklyn Nets, in the meantime, have reportedly been discussing avenues to acquire Bradley Bill from the Washington Wizards. That will give them that one-two punch with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, uh, that they need that third star player that they're trying to get. So we shall see uh, what happens to that. He's currently in a two-year, $72 million extension deal with the Wizards that's going to start in the next season. All right. Now, Donald Trump is no longer welcome in Michigan. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nassel, Nassel, um, held back, uh, did not hold back because he did not wear his mask at the Ford manu manufacturing plant yesterday. Here is what she said. Is the president no longer welcome in Michigan? Speaking on behalf of my department and my office, that's exactly right. I mean, today's events were uh, extremely disappointing and yet totally predictable. In Michigan, of course, now that is the law. Uh, and even in Ford, it is their own policy. So the president is like a petulant child uh, who refuses to follow the rules. And I have to say, this is no joke. Can you keep Jeez. a president out of a state? You can't keep a president out of a state. <laughs> well, yeah, you can make him, I guess, not welcome. You can be like, we don't want you to come here to this floor plant again, or we don't want you. We're, we're not going to roll out the red carpet. And he won't roll out that uh, financial aid, even though that's illegal, but he'll still do it. He's that petty. Like, that's just the way he is. Like, he wouldn't you roll know, out that can't. financial aid if they needed federal, federal assistance. You really can't make these rules and these laws and have everybody abide by it, and then you don't. And I that think is that is true. definitely setting a bad example for people. You can't say everyone has to wear a face mask, everyone has to social distance, and then you go to the Ford plant and you decide you didn't want to do whatever you want to do. You know, you got to follow the true. policies of the place that you're at. All you right, got to show FedEx. and prove by actions and deeds. FedEx says they did not fire these workers who posted viral video of a racist customer. Now, this story was actually viral yesterday. So there were two drivers, and they confronted a customer over an alleged racist, racist incident. This was in Georgia. The video was uploaded online, and it shows what is saying they're saying is the aftermath of an incident. The clip has been viewed almost 5 million times on Twitter. A black FedEx employee is seen challenging a, um, a white male who is recording him on his cell phone saying, you didn't have to come out here cussing at me 
like that. They have a few seconds of a standoff. Then the driver gets in the vehicle, tells the customer he is not waiting for the police to arrive and drives away. So we don't know how this whole argument started. But what they are saying is that, um, you know, this white male told them that he was going to whoop their black asses. He said, that's when we told his wife to get the police on us. That's when he kept following us. And then he pulled out his cell phone to record us and started playing the victim role. And that's when they drove off. And he told the police, the white male told the police, he said, they look like they would have broken into my house while my wife is there. Why didn't get that, why didn't get that white man with the, what he wanted? Give him the ass. Walk off the property, get in the yard, and tell him to put his hands up. That is a threat. Right, well, so once you threaten me like that, I, I feel like I can defend myself, right? So according to a follow-up tweet, uh, one of the FedEx workers says that the company called him and told him to take down the footage and then fired both him and the driver that was seen in the clip. So he's saying, I'm reposting this video because people like him doesn't wow. matter. White or any race should never disrespect essential workers, putting their lives in jeopardy, especially with this COVID-19. So people started doing the hashtag boycott FedEx. That was one of the trending topics on Twitter. They started a GoFundMe page. That GoFundMe page raised $50,000 for the workers. Now FedEx put out a statement saying that they did not actually fire these workers. They were employed by a service provider. They are just no longer working with that service provider and they offered employment while investigating to ensure an appropriate outcome. So they're back employed now. Well, they offered employment, but I guess they were never hired directly from FedEx. It was an outside company that FedEx hired. So now they're offering them employment. We'll see what happens. Gotcha. All right. That is your front page news. I'm Angela Yee. All right, we got get it off your chest next. 1-800-585-1051. If you want to call up and, you know, you got something you want to get off your chest, a little stress or something, you can call us. But if you're blessed and you want to tell us how good God is in your life, you can call us too. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Let's go. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or blessed. Say it with your chest. We hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hey, good morning. It's Get It Up Your Chest. What's up? Who's this? Hey, it's RJ. How you doing, Miss Yee and Uncle Charlotte? What's, What's up, King? RJ? Not much. I just want to thank you guys. Um, you guys have inspired me to do so much right now. Um, in the process of working on uh, getting my food business going and um, helping my brother on some music things. So getting some web pages and things up. But listening to you guys is an inspiration every day. I just want to thank you guys. Oh, appreciate you, you, brother. That's amazing. That's good news. All right. Can't wait to see your your site and everything, and I hope everything is successful for you. Oh, yeah. I will definitely tag you guys in it. Oh, love, my brother. Good morning. Get it off your chest. Who's this? Hi. This is uh, Chandler from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, How y'all doing this morning? What's up, Chandler? Chandler? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just want to say, basically, well, first off, Terry uh, Crews needs to choke himself for that horrible movie, John Henry. Uh, I heard it was terrible. Uh, Please, both of y'all need to watch this weekend. It's god-awful. Why would Uh, we watch something that's terrible? Why would you want to waste my time and tell me, yes, you need to watch it? So y'all can uh, talk about it on Breakfast Club so y'all can see how horrible it was. How bad it is. Uh, One of my friends sent me a text, and she was like, make sure you watch uh, this movie, Wrong Missy. I think it was called The Wrong Missy. And then she said, but don't watch this. Yeah, that was funny. That was funny, but don't watch John. Well, watch John Henry too. And then uh, also, 
just my man Columbus. So pretty much they opened up half of the stuff. Like so they opened the malls, but they only opened like half of the store. I didn't go, but they only opened half of the stores, which is retarded. And then they opened up the bars, but it's only patio only. And this dumb bar, it's on it's on the news called Standard Hall. Like on Friday, they uh, basically got so overcrowded where it only fits like 200 people outside. It was over 450 people, and it's like people inside. The cops were called seven times. They couldn't shut them down, but the government had them shut down the next day. So shout out to all you idiots that are too thirsty and can't sit your ass at home. You ain't lying. Hey, you know what though? You know why movies like John Henry are out though? The movies like movies like that probably were never scheduled to come out, but being that they can't uh, film any TV shows or films right now, these services need content. So it's a lot of trash that's probably not that probably wasn't supposed to come out. That's coming out. I'm so upset. Uh, Terry Crews and Ludacris wasted their talent. Like it, it, it was, it was awful. Like awful. Like almost. You're making me feel like I have to watch it. You are making me feel like I have to. Yeah, he was. He, little Chris was on it with this dumb thing on his cheek. I'm telling you, y'all have to watch it. They wasted Hold their on. time. It's god awful. You talking about when? You know what's so crazy? I think I saw that because Luda got the big gray beard or something, right? He got like it's man, it's something gold on his beard because something happened to him. I ain't gonna say, but something happened to him. But it is something gold on his beard. It looks. I, I thought. Mean, it, oh, it, okay. It, I thought he had the beard because of quarantine. Couldn't get a haircut. <laughs> hey, thank you for calling, King. It's like when people I, I, tell I, you this, my fart really stinks. Smell it. You're like, why would I want to smell it if you already told yeah. me it stinks? I promise to not check that uh, movie out on Netflix. Get it off your chest. 1-800-585-1051. Call up. Tell us why you're blessed. Call up. Tell us why you're upset. Whatever, man. This is your chance to express whatever you want to express. Feel your feels. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. All right, good morning. It's The Breakfast Club. It's time to get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, it's Sam Pakistan, a.k.a. Q. I called What's up, you. Q? And I said, What's up, King? How you doing, Q? You know about me, you said, no, they don't. So I just wanted to say my new name is Pajama Rich on YouTube. Pajama okay, Rich? Yeah, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, happy Memorial say, Day. Happy Memorial Day, guys. I was in the Navy. I'm a veteran. I made a power plant in Djibouti, Africa. Okay. okay. Oh. Well, thank you. Well, we we appreciate you for your, for your service. service. Mm-hmm. Good morning. So Let's get it off your chest. Oh. Yo, yo, Angela E, this is Big Chocolate the Toast Sucker. How we doing, Oh, babe? Lord. All right. Don't be calling Listen, up, so you calling just take over. Name, I need <laughs> two quick things. Angela E, you got to stop being a little bit nicer to me. Now, last year, my Toast Sucking Talk turned you on. You liked my YouTube video with Snoop Dogg. And this year, you're acting what? all nasty like Shanae and the Wicked Witch of Brooklyn. So try and be a little bit more nicer, okay? Charlemagne, did you hear that uh, <laughs> LeBron James wants to play football for the Dallas Cowboys? I think you That's would make a very good Dallas uh, Cowboy cheerleader. I could see you in pantyhose okay. and a pair of short shorts. I know that would turn you on. You I know that would that. make you, that would that would make you aroused. I know it would. Well, maybe this Halloween. Good morning. Get it off your chest. Who's this? What's going on? Yeah, it's Mello. Mello, what's up? Yeah. Mello, what's happening? I'm chilling. I want to spread some positivity right now because I'm not going to lie. I've been driving all night. I'm driving to Atlanta right now from New York. Just visiting family, spreading some positivity right now. 
you know? And I'm not even going to yep. hold you. Charlemagne, I'm going to reveal my craft to you finally because it, it died down and my mother finally heard it. The craft I was okay. working on, I wasn't cooking up dope and I wasn't scamming. I was actually practicing a song to sing for my mother for Mother's Day and she finally got it. She loved it. So, you know what I mean? If you want to check that out, it's on my gram. That's all I've been doing. I have not been scamming. Give me, give us a little bit of it now. <laughs> Let me hear a little bit of that song, Mello. Man, I've been driving all night. My voice ain't ready. But I can send it to you if you want. Just send me your email. I'll definitely send it to you, for real. So, so Mello, you saying that you, you, your throat isn't up to it this morning? Well, what we're not going to do, we're not going to do that play on words. But, no, my <laughs> voice is not vocally ready. We're not going to do that okay, play on Mello. words. Okay, Mello. My throat isn't ready. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I hope your mother, your I hope your mother is, enjoyed it, Mello. When your throat is ready, you let us know. For a fact, but flag on the play, Charlemagne, is your throat ready? Remember what you said to 6 9 if he got out? Is your throat ready? <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, but I won that bet, though. I, I won that bet. He didn't beat the charge. He, I mean, he still got out. You said it's no. beat the charge. You said if he Mello. beat the charge, you know what I mean? You said, you know, Mello, you, I'm not going to repeat it. Mello, you, you, you from the street. Did he beat the charge? Come on now. He home, isn't he? Can't get 67 oh years? Maybe it feels Only like he owes him like not. half or something. Maybe he not could, the he, full he, on he, throat, but yeah, maybe he could. No. You owe him he, 15 he seconds. He cooperated. He cooperated with the authorities. He got sentenced to a year. That is not beating a charge, sir. Come on now. You, only reason why you shouldn't be able to do it is because you're married and black men don't cheat. That's the only reason that's saving you right now. And because technically I won the bet. All right. Well, thank you, Melo. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. That's right. Uh, thank you all for calling. We do that every morning. Get it off your chest so you can call up. Tell us why you're blessed. Tell us why you're stressed. And don't forget, we got Vice President Joe Biden joining us next hour. And you, you got a rumor report coming up next? Yes, and let's talk about some old music that accidentally got played, causing Drake to apologize. All right, we'll discuss. It's The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is off today. It's time for the rumor report, and we got to talk about Drake needing to see a doctor because he got a leak. It's about time. What's going on? Yo, yo. Rumor report, rumor report. This is the rumor report. Talk to him. With Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. All right, well, Drake is on Instagram Live a lot now during coronavirus, and one thing he did was play an unreleased collab with Future. And in the song, he named jobs Kylie and Kendall and Gigi, and here's how it sounds. Real ish, Kylie Jenner as a side piece. I got 20 motherfucking Kylie's. I got 20 damn Kylie's. I got 20, 20 damn Kylie's. Oh, so it was the wrong kind of leak. Why is he apologizing for that? He's a rapper. Well, I guess he's, you know, uh, cool with Kylie in a way. And so he did say uh, that it was just an old song and, you know, it was a little awkward for him. And, yeah, so he's apologetic for calling her a side piece. So did him and Kylie just get cool? Because if, if they were, you know, cool when he wrote the rhyme, you know. I mean, maybe he never had any intention for that song to come out. You know, yeah. and he didn't realize that was on there. Who knows? But yes, yeah, so he did apologize. All right. Could Tiana Taylor be pregnant? Well, again, things are leaking on Instagram Live. So Tiana Taylor was at home and Junie comes over and interrupts her live video. And here's what happens. Mommy. Yeah, girl. Mommy kissed that baby. <laughs> Wait, did y'all see Junie hit the choreo, though? She was like, bam, 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 crisscross. Ah, ooh. Salute to Tiana Taylor. Tiana's sitting on an incredible album. Um, 
that Def Jam really needs to be promoting better. But you know, they never promote Tiana the way that they need to. I didn't see, when I saw her, she didn't look pregnant though. But that was a couple months ago. So I don't know. Things change. Yeah, look, if they if Junie's going over there kissing her stomach and saying, I'm giving the baby a kiss. <laughs> that's what she know. said? Yes. That's why people think oh. that. Oh. Oh yeah, when I heard her say, Let me kiss I thought she said, Let me kiss my baby. I thought she was talking about her mama. No, she kissed yeah, no, that's <laughs> She's not talking about her mom. And so, and you can see how quickly Tiana tries to change the subject and keep it moving. So, you know, that's why that speculation is coming. Who knows? But we like to wait for people to confirm things themselves. All right, ESPN is producing a nine-part documentary series, and that's going to be on Tom Brady's Super Bowl runs. Everybody is trying to make sure they do something with Tom Brady right now. And after we saw how successful the last dance was, you know, it's time to do another one. So that's going to be the next one. Yeah, that's the worst part about those uh, successful, you know, documentaries or any successful product you put on TV. Everybody wants to immediately try to recapture that magic with something. But that Chicago Bulls dynasty was a once in a lifetime generational thing. Like, you're not gonna, it's not too many of those out there. All right. But a Tom Brady one would be amazing, though. You know, enough people will want to watch that with all the success in his career and everything that he's doing now. So I think that'll be interesting. Uh, future. Let's talk about some tweets that he put out and how his his child's mother responded. He wrote on Twitter, you act just like you look. I told my dog, learn from you. Ugly girls be in imaginary relationships. Don't get high and treat an ugly girl pretty. Huge mistake. Leave them ugly girls alone. People make lies up to make themselves feel good. Quotes to live by. Um, and he said, I caught me slipping. Okay, so what? So now his child's mother, Eliza Rain, you know, he had to do a paternity test and it turns out he is the father. She wrote a message and said, in all seriousness, as women, we must stick together and stand strong against abuse of any kind. We all are, but we all are beautiful, even when we fall short of other people's expectations. Beauty shown the best from the inside. Don't let no one, man or woman, make you feel less than or that you don't deserve everything you have and pray for. Uh, she said, war is not cute. I don't want to wake up to filings and lawsuits daily, especially over an innocent child. I miss the peace I once had, but I also have ha have to do what I have to do to defend myself and my children. In America, we need to get over this culture of us women accepting abuse in silence. Because you are a woman or have less fame, power, and money, you should shut up. We are stronger than we know. So that is her response to his uh, Twitter tirade. Mm. All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right, we got front page news up next, year. What we got? Yes, and let's talk about Joe Biden and his potential vice presidential candidates. Yes, and Joe Biden will be joining us next hour right here on the World's Most Dangerous Morning Show, The Breakfast Club. Yep, it's the World's Most Dangerous Morning Show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is off today, and it's time for front page news. What we got, Yee? Yes, well, let's talk about Joe Biden. He is currently figuring out who will be the woman who will be his running mate. He has said that he has at least a dozen women under consideration, and he's seriously considering five to eight of these potential picks. Now, he did admit that he asked Amy Klobuchar to undergo vetting as a possible running mate when he was pressed to answer about that. He did say Amy's first rate, don't get me wrong. We also know that Val Demings has said that she is one of the people uh, that is on that short list as well, and she's honored to be on that list. So uh, that's what we know thus far. We do know there are people that he asked to potentially be his running mate that also have declined. So one potential contender, contender who was bad out is Senator uh, Jeannie Shaheen, a Democrat from New Hampshire. She's running for re-election this year, so she did decline that invitation uh, because of that. So we shall see. 
Yeah, I saw everybody get mad uh, yesterday over Amy Klobuchar. Y'all just got to understand that it's a short list, so everybody that's on that that list will be vetted. And also, uh, don't think that they're not floating names out there just to see what the reaction from the people is going to be. So I'm actually glad that y'all uh, got pissed off at Amy Klobuchar yesterday because she don't need to be the running mate. It needs to be a black woman. Period. All right. Now, the man, William Roddy Bryan Jr., who recorded the fatal shooting of Ahmad Arbery, has been arrested. So, you know, he's been trying to come up with all kinds of reasons on why he filmed it. He didn't know uh, the McMichaels. He wasn't friends with them. All kinds of things. But an attorney for Bryan could not be reached, but he has said his client committed no crime, that he was not a vigilante, and that he would be the state's star witness. According to his lawyer, he said that he was working in his yard when he saw a person he did not know being chased by a vehicle he recognized from the neighborhood, and he did say that he prays for the Arbery family every night, and he said, I hope in the end that video brings justice to the family and peace to the family. Well, now he has been arrested. His involvement, according to... Ben Crump and Esley Merritt was obvious to us and to many around the country. And, and after their thorough investigation, it was clear to the GBI as well. So we will see That's what happens and what his role is in the shooting. That's good for his dumb ass. Got to watch the company you keep. You can't just be rolling around with people when they're going to do hate crimes. So yes, charge his ass with murder. Fry his ass up too. Well, he's being booked into the same jail as the McMichaels as well. So Congratulations. Satan is proud of you. All right, Volkswagen has apologized for a racist ad. I don't know if you guys saw this ad, but the video was promoting its new Golf 8 on their official Instagram page. Now, that video clip has since been withdrawn, but, of course, other people have reposted it elsewhere on social media. It shows an outsized white hand pushing a black man away from a parked Volkswagen Golf before flicking him into a restaurant called Petit Cologne, which translates from French as the Little Colonist or Little Settler. So they did say, we posted a racist advertising video on Volkswagen's Instagram channel, and they apologized. They said, we understand the public outrage at this because we're horrified, too. On behalf of Volkswagen AG, we apologize to the public at large for this film, and we apologize in particular to those who feel personally hurt by the racist content because of their own history. Sheesh, who is vetting out these videos and these ads for you to feel like that could even happen? Yep. Bunch of culturally clueless people, that's all. The U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention has posted new guidance on their website. They said about a third of coronavirus infections are asymptomatic. They're estimating 35%. So a lot of people might have it, have no symptoms. And they're saying that their best estimate is that 0.4% of people who show symptoms and have coronavirus will die. So that's 0.4% of the people that do have it with symptoms. And it says uh, 40% of coronavirus transmissions is occurring before people feel sick. So those are their new guidance rules that they've posted. And you know what? It is Memorial Day weekend, so people are wondering. Some people are going out of town, by the way. So how do you fly safely during coronavirus? Well, here are some tips. And this is Dr. Sanjay Gupta did warn viewers during CNN's Global Town Hall. Things are going to feel a lot different next time you go to the airport. But the advice that he gave is before you arrive, pack hand sanitizer. Use it to clean your hands as often as possible throughout your journey. He also said as you make your way past the ticket counters and through security, try to touch as few surfaces as possible. Wear a mask throughout your entire journey. 
And he said, you wear the mask again to protect other people. The frontline workers are there all day. Another reason to try to be as safe as possible. Once you're inside the concourse and headed for your gate, avoid crowded areas. If you have the time, skip the train that moves passengers between terminals and walk. Once you're on the aircraft, you can try to choose a window seat, which could reduce your exposure to passengers passing by in the aisle. And finally, that adjustable outlet that shoots cool air down to your seat. He said, it's called the Gasper, and it's your friend. Turn it up as high as you can. That's going to cause turbulent air in front of you and break up any clouds of virus. I hate having that air thing on. I always turn it off, but. All of that sounds so exhausting. That sounds like so much work. Jesus Christ. That's like after uh, 9-11 happened and you had to go through all of that at the, the, the security gate, you know, just to get on the plane. That's what that sounds like to me. That's a lot well, of Well, Dr. Work. Fauci is saying for Memorial Day, you should go out. Here is Dr. Fauci. And I think you're going to probably be seeing a little bit more of, of me and, and my colleagues. There was a period of time there was a little bit lull in our being out there with the press, but I, I, I believe that's going to change. The task force as a whole, as you know, the theme has been shifting somewhat. It's looking at the reopening, the economic impact. So there's more of an emphasis on that, but that's not to the diminution of the scientific issues. So yes, we will see more task force, but he, Dr. Fauci himself, is going out for Memorial Day, and he's saying that you should go out too, wear a mask, social distance, stay six feet away from everybody, go fishing, go for a run, go for a walk. As long as you're not in a crowd and you're not in a situation where you can physically transmit the virus, that's what that mask is for. So make sure you do all of those things. He said he'll go for a nice walk, he'll go for hikes, and he said he's going to do it with care with the mask on. Yeah, Dr. Fauci right, got to be careful when he tell people to go outside because, you know, outside to some of us is different than outside to others. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Outside meaning in the club for some folks. Well, carefully. Club shouldn't really be open. <laughs> All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your front page news. That's right. When we come back, uh, making his first... Possibly last appearance on The Breakfast Club, uh, the presumptive Democratic nominee, Vice President Joe Biden. I got a chance to have a conversation with him via Zoom yesterday. Uh, he skipped us during the primaries, but he's pulled up now since he's the Democratic nominee for president. So we'll talk to Vice President Joe Biden when we come back. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Peace to the planet. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. DJ Envy, Angela Yee. I go by the name of Charlemagne the God. And yesterday I had the opportunity to do a Zoom call with Vice President Joe Biden. He's running a campaign from his crib, practicing social distancing. My first time talking to him. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Vice President Joe Biden. Vice President Biden, how are you today? Good. Good to see you. Same here. You know, you know I've been critical of you. Um, I, I have a few things I want to talk to you about. Today. I know you have. Yeah. You don't know me. No, I don't. That's why I want to get to know you today. I want to get to know you today. Um, I want to talk to you about mostly black stuff. But, you know, first of all, how are you? How's your family during this quarantine? Thank God everybody's doing well. How about you and your family? Man, we over here blessed black and highly favored, man. Well, I tell you what, the black community is getting killed, though. That is very, very true. That is very true. Um... You know, it's a, it's a lot of right-wing media outlets. They they question you. They question your cognitive health. They don't they don't think <laughs> they don't think everything's working upstairs. What what do you say to that? I say I can hardly wait to meet with that guy who is the stable genius. <laughs> There's nothing stable about that guy. <laughs> you know, one one thing I've been critical about is I feel like you've been like MIA during this global pandemic. You know, it's people like Governor Cuomo here in New York who have become 
political stars simply because we see and hear from them every day. So I'm just, I'm just like, how I'm, I'm wondering how you're going to energize people and win a campaign from the house. Well, I tell you what, I'm doing. I'm I'm following the rules, man. True. Number one, I'm keeping the rules. My governor says he doesn't want us out. I haven't been out. I wear my mask. I have a mask. I got Secret Service outside. I walk outside. I have it on. They get tested. And by the way, I'm beating them across the board. Mm-hmm. Over 160 million people have watched me so far on shows like yours. Okay. All the stuff about it hurting me. It's not hurting me. I'm winning in all those states. I'm ahead in all the national polls. And uh, the more he talks, the better off I am. Yeah, we, we know polls polls can be illusions, though. Like, you know, we, we looked at all the polls in 2016, too, and look what happened. Totally different, man. 2016 is totally different. What you had then is you had somebody who didn't, they didn't know it all. They wanted to just change the system the way it was. He was the biggest change. He had no serious opposition that turned out to materialize. And uh, so it's totally different. Right now we're in a situation where it's like, you know, that Carney show goes through town once and you find out there's no pee under any one of those three shells that get pushed around. Mm-hmm. Next time it comes back, what do you do? Next time you back, you ain't playing. You got to figure it out. Okay. And let me tell you something. My community figured it out a while ago. But here's the deal. What I have to do is I have to continue to talk about the things that matter. And the things that matter are, for example, right now there's a study out of Columbia University and the disease control center up there. They pointed out that if he had listened to me and others and acted just one week earlier to deal with this virus, there'd be 36,000 fewer people dead, dead, dead. And you guys are wondering what are we? What's he doing? Come on, man, get a life, get a life. This guy has been incredibly terrible. And what what we've had is, you know, back in when uh, in January, I said I wrote an article back in I think the 27th of January. Said this pandemic's here, we should act. Every other country that was acted around the time got, got the notice around the time we did, they have considerably fewer deaths as a percent of the population. I'm the guy that said we ought to take hard records and find out exactly how many people in the black community are getting COVID and are dying from it. And look what's happened. Now everybody's going, oh, surprise, surprise. Look, everybody knows this. We have to come back. We have to fight back. And, you know, the crisis lays laying bare the institutional racism that's still prevalent in our society. And I believe we have to address it by transforming our economy and this time bringing everybody along. And we haven't, look, he started to undermine the pillars of his economy before. Look, the blinders, Charlemagne, in my view, have been taken off. Now people recognize that those essential workers, a disproportionate amount of them are African-Americans. And they're breaking their necks, risking their lives, losing their lives. They're grocery store workers, they're bus drivers, they're delivery people, they're the people who are on the line. They are the they're, they're health, they're the healthcare workers who are in a position where they're taking care of the nurses. I mean, and, and they're making basically the minimum wage. So this time when we come back, we had not only rebuild, move this along, we not only rebuild, but we have to transform this economy. We can create millions of new jobs in transportation, energy structure. We can, there's jobs, a a job is a lot more than a paycheck. It's about your dignity, it's about respect, it's about how you're treated. And that's how we built the, from the working class to the middle class, 
But this time we have to address the institutional racism. We've seen it more clearly now. In a, in a black majority county, they're six times more likely to die in the pandemic than a white county. They're disproportionately uninsured in the African-American community, disproportionately make up the essential jobs that, that, that they can't do at home. They're risking their lives every day. Enough's enough. And this Biden recovery I'm going to put together will bring everybody along. I'm going to build a better, a better future, not back to what we had, but a better, back to something better than we had. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, I don't know if you saw a couple weeks ago, um, Sean Combs, you might you might know him as Diddy. Yeah. He, he said what I believe a lot of black voters, including myself, feel, and that's that Democrats take black voters for granted. You know, um, votes are quid pro quo, right? It's not like I don't want to vote. I just want to know what candidates will do for us in exchange for our votes. The same way young progressive Latinos, uh, the LGBT community. Absolutely. We want the same thing. Do you feel like black people are owed that from the Democratic Party? Absolutely, Pop. What did I say? Remember when I said Biden can't win the primaries? Yes. I kicked everybody's ass. I, excuse me. It I don't won. talk like that. I need you to say that. You did no, what? I won overwhelmingly. I told you when I got to South Carolina, I won every single county. I won a larger share of the black vote than anybody has, including Barack. I increased the vote in Virginia overwhelmingly by 70%. Look, what people don't know about me is I come from a state that's the eighth largest black population in America, the eighth largest. I get 96% of that vote for the last 40 years. It's, they're, they're the folks, as they say it my way, brung me to the dance. That's how I get elected every single time. And everybody's shocked. I get overwhelming support from the black leadership, young and old. Every poll shows me way ahead. And it's not just, I hear this, oh yeah, old blacks are with Biden, but young aren't. Look at the polling data. Polling data, let's say it's off by half. Come on, man. Give me a little break here. This is where I come from. I got involved. I came home from college and I had a job with a really fancy law firm out of law school. And my city is the only city in America occupied by the National Guard, the military for 10 months when Dr. King was shot. And I had this fancy job, a kid coming from a, from a lower middle income household. I quit and became a public defender. And I stayed in that community. I was the only guy when I was in high school. I had a job, a country club kind of job with a, at a swimming pool. I was the only white employee in the east side because I wanted to work in the projects because I wanted to understand. That's how I got involved in politics. That's what this is all about for me. It's about equality. It's about dignity. It's about treating people with respect. And so, you know, when you take a look at my record, people talk about the crime bill. Crime bill didn't increase mass incarceration. Other things increase mass incarceration. And the reason why, if you go back and look, and I know you talk about it, you go back and take a look. That's why you had the vast majority of the black caucus at the time supporting the crime bill. Almost every major city black mayor supported the crime bill because blacks were getting killed overwhelmingly as well. And what happened when that crime bill? It had four or five really important things. It had the Violence Against Women Act. It said drug court, don't send anybody who has a drug problem to jail, send them to rehabilitation, to a drug court. It had in it that had the, uh, the assault weapons ban, getting rid of assault weapons, getting rid of the, round, the number of rounds you could have in a gun. 
It also had in it a whole range of other things, but that things I didn't like. Clinton wanted to put in a deal where, in fact, three strikes and you're out. I opposed that three strikes and you're out bill. I opposed the position taken that saying that you're going to have any mandatory sentences. But on balance, the whole bill, what happened was it did, in fact, bring down violent crime in black communities as well. And guess what? The fact is prison population didn't increase. 94% of every prisoner in jail is in a state prison, not a federal prison, no federal law. And here's the deal. The one thing I opposed in that bill was people wanting to give money to state prisons to build more prisons. I opposed it. But the point was on balance, everything from the assault women's ban to the violence against women ban to the drug courts, they were important. And now look what we can do. Look, I've been pushing along with my colleagues in a black caucus in the United States Congress. We should change the entire, and I've been doing this for a while, change the entire prison system from one that is punishment to rehabilitation. There's only a couple things everybody has in common in jail. One is they were <clears throat> the victims of abuse of their kids were, or their, or, their, or, their, or their mother was. Number two, can't read. Number three, they don't have any job skills. They were in a position where they didn't get a chance. Why does it make sense? Why did I come along and write the first act that said, when you get out of prison, you don't just get a notion where you get 25 bucks and a bus ticket. You end up under the bridge. You end up under the bridge and just do the same place. So every single solitary person being released from prison should have access to every single government program. Why does it not make sense to have African-Americans who are getting out of prison <coughs> serve their time, everybody for that matter, be able to have public housing? Why does it make sense that they can have Pell Grants to go to school? Why does it make sense they can have access to health care? What are we, nuts? I, I that's what we keep doing. Yeah, so I, sorry, that's, uh, that's our time there. No, no, I, I, I'm sorry. Well, I know Jill has to use this, but I, I want I talk too much. I apologize. Yes, he talks a lot. Uh, that won't be the only time they try to cut the interview off because when we come back, we got to discuss that 94 crime bill. So we will be back with more from Vice President Joe Biden when we return. Peace to the planet. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is off today. And yesterday, I did a Zoom, 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 Zoom call with Vice President Joe Biden, the Democratic nominee for president. He decided to finally join us. Uh, so let's get to it. No, let me, I, I, gotta, I gotta ask you, though, you know, why so much resistance on admitting the crime bill and, and other legislation you are a part of was damaging to the black community? Because we had Hillary on a few years ago, uh, and Ms. Clinton said that the crime bill, made, we made a lot of mistakes with that, and she wanted to atone for that by becoming the next president. Like She was wrong. What happened was it wasn't the crime bill. It was the drug legislation. It was the, inst the institution of mandatory minimums, which I oppose. Mandatory minimums. I oppose the you, I thought you, you created, I thought you uh, was a part of that in 84 as well, the Comprehensive Crime Control Act that established mandatory minimum sentences for drug offenses. No, no. What happened was, you're, what you're confusing is, what, what happened was the Black Caucus came to me and said, look, one of the, well, I did this study when I was chairman of the Judiciary Committee. We looked at every district of the, of, the, of the 10 court districts in America, federal court districts, and we found out that if you got arrested for robbery and convicted 
and I got arrested for robbery convicted. It was the first time. You went to jail an average of 13 years. I went to jail an average of three years. So there was this whole move, same time for the same crime. So no one based on their color could go to jail longer than anybody else for the same crime. So what happened was there was a judicial selection committee setting up that how you deal with making sure that the sentencing process is taken out of the hands of a prosecutor saying, I'm going to want 12 years, 13 years for you, and three years for me. The end result of that was the unintended consequence, which we changed, Barack and I did, was the fact that you, in fact, all of a sudden, you could not lower my sentence or your sentence be uh, lower than what was the average sentence for everybody else going to jail in the districts. That's how that came about. It didn't say mandatory. We said to the judges, you can't send people to jail for the same crime different times. They have to be within a, 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 a framework. That's why that has been changed. And while I was vice president, I helped Barack, we reduced the prison population federally by 38 thousand people 38,000 people and the only the only mandatory was in there was carjacking which I opposed and three strikes and you're out which is ridiculous it only was imposed three times but still even once makes no sense the idea of three ties three strikes and you're out give me a break and the other thing we have to do one of the things that you know I was a public defender I'm going to insist when I'm president that a public defender gets, a federal public defender gets paid the same amount of money as a federal prosecutor gets paid. So you have representation. People have representation. But the bottom line is, the other piece is, I'm going to try to change, and I've laid it out. I'll send you a copy of my plan. So you have it. To see every it. voice? Pardon me? What, deliver every voice or what? No, the one that I, the plan I have is my manifesto for black America. And, a, and particularly the portion of it that relates to how, in fact, we're going to deal with the prison system. If you are in prison, if you are convicted of a crime, no one should be going to jail for a drug crime, period. Nobody. Nobody. So, no so matter what the crime, particularly marijuana, which makes no sense for people to go to jail. They should be just wiped out completely. And the reason is that what, if anything, for those crimes that are actually continue to be crimes, scheduled crimes, as marijuana shouldn't be anymore, what is happening is you shouldn't go to prison. You should go to a, a mandatory rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. It costs less to put people in a drug rehabilitation program than it does in jail, and you have a chance. we got to give people a chance. You know, Vice President Biden, I've read some of your black agenda, and you say that you would decriminalize marijuana. What's the difference between legalizing it and decriminalizing it? Because they're trying to find out whether or not there is any impact on the use of marijuana, not in leading you to other drugs, but what it affects, does it affect long-term development of the brain? And we should wait till the studies are done. I think science matters. I think we got decades. I think we got decades and decades of studies from actual weed smokers, though. Yeah, I do. I know a lot of weed smokers. <laughs> I want to ask you about your your, your running mate. Um, I don't know if you saw. Well, I saw the day that a news report broke that uh, Amy Klobuchar was being vetted, and a lot of people on social media they're not too happy about that. And um, 
It's because they want your running mate to be a black woman. I don't know if you saw the op-ed in the Washington Post by some of the leading black women voices in this country, and they feel since black women are such a loyal voting block, and black people saved your political life in the primaries this year. They have things they want from you, and one of them is a black woman running mate. What, what do you say to them? What I say to them is that I'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered, but I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. Multiple. We don't Thank you so much. That's really our time. I apologize. You can't do that to black media. You I can't do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on at 6 o'clock. Okay. Oh, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. I would love to see Take you. Take a look at my record, man. I extended the voting racks 25 years. I have a record that is second to none. The NAACP has endorsed me every time I've run. The world, I mean, come on. Take a look at the record. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Anyway, thanks. I will come back. All right. I look Peace. forward to seeing you in person. Okay, absolutely. Okay, pal. Thanks a lot. I Thank appreciate you. it, Charlemagne. Hey, yep. It's the world's most dangerous morning show. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. That is me. Uh, we are the Breakfast Club. Uh, Joe Biden. Um, Joe Biden says if you vote for Trump, Trump over him, you're not black. How will Candace Owens yeah. and Kanye West feel about that? <laughs> we shall see later. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully next time we see him, he will be in studio. Uh, and his people will give us the same amount of time they give the white media outlets. But that interview is up on Breakfast Club's YouTube page. I think it should be up now. And, and on my YouTube page, See to God, uh, for your viewing pleasure. Now, Yee, we got a rumor report coming up. Yes, you know, this weekend, we're excited for Memorial Day weekend and these versus battles. And I know these versus battles are giving us all life. So let's see who is going to be battling. We already know about Saturday, the Beanie Man versus Bounty Killer. But now there's another one added to the lineup. All right, we'll discuss. Uh, Drum, what song we got coming up? Believe me. Lil Wayne, believe me. Believe Drake. me? Mm -hmm. All right, okay, it's Believe Me by Lil Wayne and Drake right here on The Breakfast Club. <laughs> the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee. Uh, the Joe Biden interview is now available on Breakfast Club's YouTube page, as well as my YouTube page, uh, See the God. Uh, but Angela Yee, we got a rumor report coming up, and we're going to talk about Lana Del Rey. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, Lana Del Rey was trending yesterday and today, and it's all because of an Instagram kind of, I guess... She was venting on Instagram. It was a really long post that she did, but basically she said, question for the culture. Now that Doja Cat, Ariana, Camilla, Cardi B, Kehlani, and Nicki Minaj and Beyonce have had number ones with songs about being sexy, wearing no clothes, effing, cheating, etc. Can I please go back to singing about being embodied, feeling beautiful by being in love, even if their relationship is not perfect, or dancing for money or whatever I want without being crucified or saying that I'm glamorizing abuse. And then she goes on to talk about saying that she's fed up with female writers and alt singers saying that I glamorize abuse when in reality, I'm just a glamorous person singing about the realities of what we are all now seeing are very prevalent, emotionally abusive relationships all over the world. So that's basically what she was saying on her page. But a lot of people had some backlash because she was referencing a lot of black women in the industry like Beyonce and 
uh, Doja Cat, Nicki Minaj, and women of color. Of course, we were not happy about that. I don't. Um, I didn't even realize that's that's what it was. I I just don't like people who look at somebody's success and act like what they're doing is the reason. You know, they're you're not doing it. Like just because you know Beyonce or Cardi B or whoever takes a different approach to their music and they're winning with it, that has nothing to do with Lana Del Rey and why Lana Del Rey's not. I guess at the top of the charts, but don't she sell a lot of records? Yeah, but you know, I think the thing is, why not compare yourself to a Billie Eilish or a Taylor Swift or uh, Katy Perry or people like that? Why did you, in particular, have to target women of color? Like you're upset that they're on the top of the charts and you're not. Well, she responded to the black backlash. Blacklash. <laughs> definitely was. She said, backlash. "Bro, this is." This is sad to make it about a woman of color issue when I'm talking about my favorite singers. I could have literally said anyone, but I picked my favorite effing people. And that is the problem with society today. Not everything is about whatever you want it to be. It's exactly the point of my post. There are certain women that culture doesn't want to have a voice and may not have to do with race. I don't know what it has to do with. I don't care anymore. But don't ever, 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 bro, call me racist because... That is BS. And my last and final note on everything, when I said people who look like me, I meant the people who don't look strong or necessarily smart or like they're in control, et cetera. It's about advocating for a more what? delicate personality, not for white women. Thanks for the caring comments, though. Very helpful. Lana, shut the <laughs> F up forever. Okay, it's just whack to be watching what somebody else is doing. Who cares? Her name is Karen. <laughs> she sounds like a goddamn Karen. That's what yeah. she sounds like. Karen Del Rey. And you know what? Even if she didn't mean for it to be just her targeting women of color, you should have recognized that you did that. And that might be your own maybe subtle, not so conscious doing something that you And it sounds like you hating. For yourself. It just sounds yeah. like you hating. It just sounds like she's hating. Like, why not say, yo, shout out to all of those women that have been topping the charts lately. Appreciate you. Now I'm going to come and represent for the women some more with my new music. Like, something like that. Like, she sounds corny. All right, so moving on, let's talk about the verses. Y'all know how excited I am about Bounty Killer versus Beanie Man this weekend. Well, Swiss Beats has also confirmed the 112 versus Jagged Edge battle is going down. Breaking news just added to the Memorial Day weekend madness. That's going to be happening mm. on Monday. So that's going to be a busy weekend for us. So that means we just have Sunday off unless they put something on Sunday too. And we'll be watching both Beanie Man versus Bounty Killer and 112 versus Jagged Edge. Who you got, 112 or Jagged Edge? Uh, I got to go through the whole... That's a hard one, man. That is going to be a good one. I don't even know. Like, I love Jagged Edge sure. music. Um, I'm going to have to go with 112, though. I, 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 I really, really, really like uh, 112. I've always enjoyed 112 sound. But Jagged Edge is man, dope, too, but I have to go with 112. Cupid used to That's be my favorite saying. song. Matter of fact, I'm about to put that on Cupid. the playlist right now. Only you, Peaches and Cream, <laughs> like 112 got some joints. Out of heaven. Yeah, 112 got some joints. I mean, Jacket Edge dope too. It's, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good battle. It's going to be a good battle. I don't know. If, do they have 20 though? Do both of those groups have 20 songs? I don't know if they got 20. Uh, I got to go through their list. But I would highly recommend that you do watch Bounty Killer versus Beanie Man. That's going to be a good battle. And you would definitely be dancing at home and whining. No, I don't like reggae. I, I think I you should watch like it though, Reggie, just because you've been watching all of them. You gotta watch it. I, I mean, it's a, I'm gonna watch. It's gonna, it's gonna be amazing. I'm so hyped for that one. I've been wanting one of these dance hall battles to happen, so I think it's perfect for this weekend. And everybody, y'all better be watching. All right, now Fifty Cent went off on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This was unexpected. So on what? Instagram, <laughs> yes, he put up a picture of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, <laughs> and he said, "Yo, I was in the airport one time. I looked. I said, oh, ish, that's." 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I went and said, what's up? He looked at me like I was crazy. I said, oh, ish. Well, F you then, you old ass. And where I don't give a F about a sky hook. And where and where has been trying to kill me, ish. F you. I was mad. I said something to his ass. I don't know what sparked Jesus this. Christ. Drop <laughs> <laughs> on the cruise bombs for 50 Cent. 50 Cent is running out of people to beef with, God damn it. And he's going after the OG legends. I respect it. Why not go after one of the greatest basketball players of all time, Fifth? I see you. Okay, King. All right, and Kevin Kevin Hart and his trainer, Boss, have finally sat down and discussed what happened on Kevin Hart's docuseries where they went at it on the plane and people thought that Kevin Hart was very nasty to Boss, which he was, okay? And here's what they had to say. I misunderstood what Kevin was saying for the, the idea. We were talking about finances and money in the current state where we were and how do we, what will be our next steps? What will be happening if we weren't in our current positions? And things got out of context on both sides, and we kind of just two, two, two thousand the, the, the Eagles, <laughs> the Eagles got the flaring. I said, if this man grabbed me on this plane, it is good night, Irene. No, no, we, we, we definitely went too far that night. He's right. Boss would have definitely <laughs> did him dirty yeah. on that plane. That took a 100%. lot of restraint, boss. Took a lot of restraint. All right, well, I'm Angela Yee, and that's your rumor report. That's right. Uh, donkey of the day is next, and um, why not end the week in the great state of Florida, the Sunshine State, okay? They are partially partially reopened, phase one of this reopening plan. So, of course, nut-ass things are going to happen. So we need Audra Adams to come to the front of the congregation. We would like to have a word with her, okay? Donkey of the day next on the World's Most Dangerous Morning Show, The Breakfast Club. Well, make sure you tell them to watch out for Florida, man. Florida, man. The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. Yes, you are a donkey. A Florida man attacked an ATM for a very strange reason. It gave him too much money. Florida man is arrested after deputies say he rigged the door to his home in an attempt to electrocute his pregnant wife. Police arrested an Orlando man for attacking a flamingo. For the breakfast club, bitches. Donkey of the day with Charlemagne the God. I don't know why y'all keep letting him get y'all like this. Donkey of the day for Friday, May 22nd goes to a 32-year-old Florida woman named Audra Adams. What does your Uncle Charla always say about Florida? Yes, repeat after me. The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. Okay, Florida never fails me. They are the most consistently crazy group of people I have never met in my life. Okay, now, Audra Adams is one of the people taking advantage of the fact that Florida is reopened. They're on phase one of the reopening uh, plan. In fact, not only did she take advantage of the fact that Florida is reopened, once she got to where she was going, she refused to leave. But while she was there, she was doing what some would call contradicting herself. She was doing what some would call being a hypocrite. She was doing what some would call not practicing what you're preaching. Okay, she would do what Dr. Fauci would be very disappointed in. That's what she was doing. She was doing something Dr. Fauci would be very, very disappointed in. See, we live in a world where you have to live what you say in your rhymes and and Audra was doing the exact opposite. Let's go to WOFL Fox 35 for the report, please. This woman arrested after allegedly kissing strangers at a Brevard County bar. But the story does not end there. Police say she also called 911 trying to report that bar for violating social distancing. 32-year-old Audra Adams was taken into custody after Melbourne police were called by the owners of the bar saying that the woman was attempting to kiss 
random customers. According to police, Adams was asked to leave, and Melbourne police say that she made several calls to 911 to report that the restaurant was not following social distancing guidelines. Police asked Adams to leave the property, and when she refused, she was taken into custody and turned over to the Brevard County Sheriff's Office, where she was taken to the Brevard County Jail and booked on trespassing and several other charges, including disorderly conduct and misuse of the 911 system. Only in Florida would a woman be drunk at a bar, repeatedly trying to kiss random strangers, and then call 911, not once, but five times, because patrons in the bar were not practicing social distancing. Now, I'm looking at this woman's mugshot, and I can see why the New York Post says she was trying to kiss strangers at a bar. Nobody would do that voluntarily. Doesn't matter how drunk they were. Not to mention, if you're kissing random people during a global pandemic, then you deserve coronavirus. I wouldn't feel sorry for you at all. You earned it. So I'm sure people in that bar in Florida was like, nah, love, get away from me. That's nasty at a time like this, okay? Audra called 911 five times. Not because she was trying to report the fact that people were social distancing. She, she, she couldn't have done that because she was violating those rules herself. She called 911 because she was hurt. It's called rejection, people. Nobody likes to feel rejected. She was getting rejected by people in the bar when she was just trying to randomly kiss them. She's so happy that to be back outside, so happy the bar is open. She was just drunk and free and feeling good, probably haven't gotten laid since the whole quarantine. She was looking for a random hookup, not realizing it's a dub for random hookups until there is a vaccine for the coronavirus because can't no condom stop that COVID, B. Why am I talking about condoms to Florida? Nobody in Florida wears condoms. It's too hot to wear a condom in Florida. But you know what I'm saying. There's no random sex with strangers happening until a vaccine comes and COVID is completely over, which will probably be never, okay? And Audra Adams learned that the hard way because nobody wanted to kiss her. So that feeling of rejection hit her hard. Not to mention she got kicked out of the bar by the owner. That's just more rejection, in fact, the New York Post says she reluctantly left the bar, and this is when she went and sat in the parking lot and ended up ultimately getting arrested for trespassing. I actually feel a little sorry for her. Rejection is a lonely feeling. You know, we all want to be embraced by somebody. You know, I tell people all the time, rejection is God's protection, but not in Florida because God only visits Florida on Tuesdays and Sundays, and this wasn't neither one of those days, so God had nothing to do with this. On this day, Audra got rejected because she was drunk. Listen to one of the 911 calls, courtesy of WKMG CBS 6, to listen to somebody tell her the truth. Sovereign number one, what's the address of your emergency? Sovereign, this is the transfer. Yeah, I got her. Don't worry, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Uh-huh. I'm in monkey bar and I'm being told I'm trespassed because somebody observed me not obeying the law, that they're not agreeing to under OSHA and under every other explicable... What are you even talking about, OSHA? They're not letting you in because you're drunk. Yes, Audra. What the hell are you talking about? You got kicked out because you were drunk. Nothing more, nothing less. And because you were trying to kiss random people in a bar during a global pandemic. So when you called 911 about people not social distancing, you were snitching on yourself, okay? Audra, listen, rejection is merely a redirection, okay? A course correction to your ultimate destiny. And Audra, being that you are from Florida, you know, and, and, and you got rejected and redirected out that bar, it was all to get to your ultimate destiny, which is right here on Donkey of the Day.
Please give Audra Adams the sweet sounds of the Hamiltons, please. Oh, now you are the donkey mm. of the day. Ooh, you are the donkey of the day. Now I think that uh, we should play a game of guess what race it is. <laughs> now... Angela Yee, you're the lone contestant on Guess What Race It Is this morning. Uh, her name is Audra Adams. She's 32 years old. She went around in a bar trying to kiss random strangers, got kicked out of the bar, and then called the police, called 911 five times to tell them that they weren't social distancing in the bar. Angela Yee, guess what race she is? Uh, she's got to be Caucasian. I mean, what, what makes you feel that way? Because we don't be calling 911 like that anyway or kissing random people, mm. coronavirus or not. Mm, those are good observations, Angela Yee. You are correct. She is Caucasian. Yes, to call 911 five times after you got rejected for trying to kiss random people in a bar drunk, that is a very Karen-like move. Yes, you're absolutely correct. She is Caucasian. Thank you for joining us on right. this episode's Guess What Race It Is. Now, who we got coming up next, Yee? Uh, we are going to be talking to Dondre Whitfield. He has a new book out, Male Versus Man. He's also an actor. You know him as Remy on Queen Sugar. And he has some great uh, perspectives on manhood. And I just want to add one more thing, man. Karen Civil, I hate the fact that they have to use the name Karen <laughs> when they describe <laughs> these white women. Shout out to Karen Civil, man. It's, you know... Just sucks. I'm sorry. Lord, Lord <laughs> that's all. Hey, right. Damn, Karen. Damn. But that's why we got to say either say Casey or say her whole name, Karen Civil. Jesus Christ. All right. All right. We got Dondre Whitfield when we come back. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Checking out the world's most dangerous morning show. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest on the line right now, Dondre Whitfield. Welcome, sir. Good morning. How you doing, man? What's going on, brother? What's going on, my sister? How y'all doing? Doing pretty We're good. Doing Bless well. Black and Holly favorite king. You got a new book out, Man versus Male, is the title of the book. Let's let's talk about that. What's the difference between a man and a male? Males look to be served while men look to be of service. So, in other words, male is the gender that you were chosen to be, but man is the job that you choose to do. And unfortunately, we keep handing out the title of man to everyone who turns 18 or 21 or, you know, or has pecs. And that has done a great deal of damage in our society, not understanding the difference between those two. Right. Is you talk really about the difference between... Um physicality and vocabulary in male mm -hmm. versus man. So let's talk about the difference between what a male does and what a man does when it comes to those two things. M males, because of the nature of them constantly looking to serve themselves, they look to master others in order to serve themselves. Men look to master themselves in order to serve others. I never understood that because as a kid growing up, my father was in and out of jail my entire life. Was And my mother did a phenomenal job of creating a great human being. But what she couldn't do was she couldn't teach me how to be something she was not. So the street began to teach me what they thought manhood was. 
Now tell about I the story about your I, father, because I, 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 I know there was one story where, where I heard you said you was riding in the car with your dad, and you, yeah. and and you explain the story a little bit, because I think that Man. that that tells a lot when when we were growing up and how we not not to raise our kids. Totally, it, it was really profound. You know, my father was a street hustler. I'll never forget this at the uh, age, I think I was about 12, 13 years old. My father had a, a Lincoln Mark V. At that time, like that was the ride. So here we are, we're in this car. I don't, I've never gotten to, to spend much, much time with my father. And my father turns to me, we're at a light. And he said, son, I love your mother. I would do anything for her. And I'll never forget how that made me feel because every child just wants to hear that their, their parents love each other. Right, right, right. So I'm beaming, and in the next second, my father looks out the driver's side window, and he catcalls out to a woman across the street. While he didn't tell me this, the messaging that I got from that was profound because what it said to me was, you can love one woman and lust after many. So that exchange set my trajectory as a cheater. Hey, you know, Dondre, I had a, a similar experience, but mine was more more direct. Like, you know, I actually confronted my father about his cheating on my mother, and he actually looked at me and said, oh, you only got one girlfriend? And so from that point on, it made me feel like having one girlfriend was wrong. Absolutely. There's a huge difference between being a grown male and being a man. And just to go along with that, you talk about how a lot of times women feel like they have to be, quote, ride or die for their guy, and I have to wait this 10 years until he finally decides he's going to do the right thing and settle down. And if not, it's like, well, why didn't you hold your man down? And you shouldn't have to be, like you said in the book, a man's mother mm -hmm. or a male's mother. A male's mother, absolutely that. And unfortunately, look, here's how damaging a lack of manhood is to our community. I have an 11 year old son. I call him my kid, king in development. Every single day, there's another powerful piece of messaging that I give my son about how to matriculate into manhood. So me being the model that I know that my son is going to mirror is extremely important for him. But here's usually the question. Why is your relationship with your daughter so important? My wife's responsibility is to teach my, my daughter how to be a queen. I can't teach her how to do that. But here's what I do teach my daughter. I am the walking, talking dress rehearsal for what my daughter is going to be able to see in what a man is and how to dress rehearse being in a relationship with a man. Is there really such a thing as being a man? Like, what does that mean outside of the social construct of gender? So man is sort of like a brand. Right now, if man were a brand, nobody would buy us. Look at the films that are out right now. Look at the television shows. We're all painted with the same broad stroke. Every father has to be managed like a child on these television shows and that women have it all together when the truth of the matter is is that we need each other in order to build balanced human beings, balanced children that go out to build a balanced society. And that's the reason why we're in an imbalanced society. Um, you talk about that, and obviously you were in Queen Sugar, you played Remy. So how does that affect the roles that you choose? Because clearly, as you're doing a book like Mill versus Man and you're trying to educate people, then what does that do for you when you're picking these roles? You know, it's, uh, that's such a great question because there's so much conflict once you know what you know, it's extremely difficult to ignore it. When I came to this space, I've told people that acting is my passion, but activation is my purpose. 
So my struggle every day is trying to figure out how do I choose these roles? The role that I play is going to impact the messaging behind what people think a man is. Why not write them? Thank you for that. So I am now in the, uh, in the midst of shopping. So uh, as you may or may not know, first job I ever did uh, on television, I was 15 years old playing Vanessa's boyfriend, Robert, on, on yes. uh, the Cosby show. It was, I mean, I can't even explain to you how incredible that was. And that's such a great segue because I'm going to talk about Bill Cosby in a second. That time in my life was so profound. Literally being on the most watched show in television history at that time and still living in the hood was really profound. And what I watched in doing that show was uh, this great, movement of a family you see this great man and this great woman partnered in in creating these great children and great community and i always said when the time came in my life i was going to do that i was going to be that and now we've arrived at that place we are missing a cosby show in our midst no disrespect to any show that's on television right now you can't name me one television show that we have on on the screen that honors who a man is and what he's supposed to be in his fathering and in his in his husbandhood. I think I think Blackish does that, and you know I, I get what you're saying, you know, um, but I don't think it's anything you're wrong. Make, you're, gonna, you're gonna make me go there, huh? No, I, I think Blackish does that, and, and you know, as, as as a father of three, I think one thing you realize being a father, being a daddy, is not a dictatorship. Sometimes our Absolutely kids do not. manage us, manage us, because we learn so much from them. You know what I mean? But here's my point, and, and, I, and I completely get what, you, what, what you're saying, Charlamagne. Here's my, here's my problem with that. And this is no disrespect to my brother uh, Kenya, who created the show. No disrespect to my brother Anthony Anderson, who does a fantastic job of playing that role. But the kinds of shaming that happens from that father to that son, whether it's being his complexion, whether it's being his... Uh, gender-neutral self in his uh, in the way that his son dresses. There have been s- such a a number of different ways that this particular father has created a space of damage. If I did that to my son, my son would be extremely confused about what he's supposed to be as a man. I was estranged from my father for 20 years. Went back to Brooklyn. I found my father get him in the car with me and big me was finally going to stand up for a little broken me and i told my father if i ever saw him again nothing good would happen 20 years had passed my daughter came and sat next to me on the couch and she said dad do you know where your father is the truth is that i knew exactly where my father was but i knew that the answer that i was going to give her was not going to be good enough And I finally realized that all the things that I was teaching my children, how to be kind, how to be conscious, how to, how to give people grace. Those were not the things that I was teaching them in this particular instance. And then if I didn't clean up what was going on between me and my father, that I would be cementing that into my children. What I finally realized about my father was my father couldn't father me because he himself was unfathered. My father could have become a great man had he had great instruction. Absolutely. So when I wrote this book, I wrote this book with my father in mind, giving him a playbook for his manhood and for my sisters, because every time I speak to a sister who is single, they all say the same thing. How do I teach my son 
All right. Well, these are some interesting conversations that we're having right now with Dondre Whitfield, Brooklyn's own. We got some more with him coming up next on The Breakfast Club. What's up? What's up? It's The Breakfast Club. It's Friday. And we got Dondre Whitfield joining us. And we're talking about his new book, Male Versus Man. And he has some very interesting perspectives from his own experiences. All right. Envy? Now, you think about it, we talk about upbringing, and, and if there's no father figure in a young man's life, who raises the child, who raises the kid, yeah. right? If the mom is working, she's working two jobs to provide, to pay for school, to pay for food. So usually nine times out of ten, if it's not a grandparent or a family member, the streets raise that kid. So that leniency that you give your dad and forgiveness, do you think the court system should do the same? Because these children are not being raised by a father figure. They don't ask to be in this world. But they are here, and now they have to figure it out as a 7-year-old, 8-year-old, 9-year-old, 10-year-old, a high school student, and these streets raise them. And a lot of times they go into places where they're not supposed to, but it's not because they necessarily want to. It's because of bad guidance. The court system should. We know that the court system won't. So in my book, I talk about how our this is why it's so important for our young kings to get manhood messaging because... If we don't father them, the system fathers them. Now, this, this look at the look at the gang violence that we have throughout uh, throughout the country, right? You're going to, to experience one thing. You're going to experience males who are looking for the love of men. Right. So, what does that tell us? It tells us that a woman is not the secret sauce to matriculating a male into manhood. If we overexpose our boys to uh, feminine accommodation, and I'm going to explain that in a second, and they lack manhood accountability, you're going to get those forms of toxic masculinity. My wife is from the south side of Chicago. Let me tell you something. My wife ain't no punk. But when it comes to my 11-year-old son, I'm sitting here, and I'm just shaking my head in, like, amazement because... She just turns into this, like, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> she is he gets away with everything? Oh, my gosh. She is incapable at times of following up in a way <laughs> that is necessary for this dude to get it. And I have to come in and I have to say, didn't we discuss this yesterday? Didn't we discuss this an hour ago? I want you to do that. I want you to do that. And I want you to do that right now. And here's what I want you to also do. I want you to go to your mother right now and I want you to apologize for what you just did. That's manhood accountability. My wife is accommodating him at every turn. That's her little boyfriend, right? That's her son. <laughs> she's raising our daughter, but she's loving our son. Now, I got to push back on that, Dondre, and I'm going to tell you why. Oh, you know, when you talk about sacred masculine and the divine feminine, I think in order for any human being to reach their sacred purpose, you have to have a healthy balance of both. What you just described was the masculine quality of firmness, right? But what you're describing in your wife is the feminine quality of nurturing. A human yes. needs both in order to be a whole human. Yes, indeed. I absolutely agree with you. But you mentioned a great word, balance. So the, the imbalance comes in when we over-nurture. When you enable a boy... You disable the man. Then you have the balance between parent and friend. You see, because when I was being raised, my dad wasn't my friend, and he told me clearly, I'm, I'm your father. Mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. your friend. But mm -hmm. 
what it made me do is when I graduated out of college, I wanted to leave because I had no place in that house, I felt. Now, yeah. with my kids, it's more I'm, I'm your parent, but I'm also your friend. You can talk mm -hmm. to me about any, everything, but that goes mm -hmm. to the part when I see blackish. You know, mm -hmm. my son, you know, my son could watch me and Charlemagne do something stupid and be like, Dad, you guys look sus. But it's a joke. And I can go back and say the same, but he doesn't feel like he can't come to me and talk to me about something. So it's that line between being a parent and being his friend or her friend. Absolutely. When I, um, and here's what's interesting. We're saying the same things, but to my son, I say them a little differently because uh, he will begin to use language that he uses with his friends, even uh, to his mother. And I say, hey, listen, hey, hey. I'm not one of your friends. I'm your father. But the language that he and I have is loving language. Right. Listen, when did you get to a place of healing? Because I know people will hear you and they'll be like, oh, he's talking all this holier than now stuff. When did you get to your place in healing? Because you didn't just arrive there. Nobody just arrives to a place of healing. Ab absolutely. I'm going to tell you, when I, to use a football analogy, I got tired of fumbling the ball. I got tired of cheating in relationships. And contrary to popular opinion, for brother cheats on you, the narrative is, is that males don't care. They do. It is my opinion that every man needs to feel like the hero of his house and every woman needs to feel heard. When a man doesn't feel like the hero of his house, bad things usually begin to happen. When a woman doesn't feel like she's heard in her house, bad things begin to happen. In my counselings, I use that in order to build the bridge that is necessary to get to that space. I never had that messaging. And so when a male is in a space where he cheats, he's devastated because he's let someone down and he knows in his spirit, this is not the life that he was intended to lead. Now, he's been taught how to ignore that, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that he's just going off of the information that he was given. But in his spirit, he is devastated because we are created by the same creator. And that creator intended us to be builders. He intended us for us to build life and not tear life down. Manhood comes when you get instruction, when you get information and you begin to apply it to your life, when you begin to apply it to your trajectory, when you begin to allow that stuff to help you build and elevate those around you. All right. Well, these are some interesting conversations that we're having right now with Dondre Whitfield, Brooklyn's own. We got some more with him coming up next on The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. What's up? It's The Breakfast Club, and Brooklyn's own Dondre Whitfield is joining us via Zoom, of course. His new book, Male vs. Man, is available right now. You can also watch his IG Live videos. He's already interviewed Will Smith, and he's also interviewed Boris Kojo, and he's got a lot more great things happening. So let's get into it. Since you referenced cheating, do you, can you be a man and cheat? Absolutely. You can be a man and have moments of maleness. When you practice the art of being male, which is serving yourself. That has ingrained itself in you, and now it takes a second for you to, to really flush that out of your system. I consider myself a recovering addict. 
of being male. And now in becoming a man, I realize that that's contrary to everything that I want to be, everything that I need to be. But I realize that I am an addict. So let me give you an example. In the book, I talk about as a married man. For me, I don't have any single friends because my single brothers want to do single stuff. Now, some people have asked, well, what if, you're, what if one of your friends gets divorced and he's single? <laughs> well, that's, that's different, obviously, right? But if that brother is not committed to a life of building a committed relationship in his life, we're going to have a tough time. You know, the, the, the great thing about this conversation is, like, I think, you know, we're all saying the same thing. We're just using different language. Because language. when you talk about, you know, cheating, I always say that, you know, men cheat for ego. And it's usually when our ego is wounded, right? But when you want to be the hero of your house, it's when you have a healthy ego. Because there's nothing wrong with ego. It's just about whether sure. you have a wounded ego or a healthy ego. When you got a wounded ego, that's when you're out here sleeping with a bunch of different women, trying to make yourself feel good. You got a healthy ego is when you're actually doing right by your wife, doing right by your kids, and that's what really makes you feel like the hero of the house. Well, that's Come why on. I love the quarantine, too. All that stuff in, on the outside world means shit, and the most important thing is your family. Charlamagne, you touched on the fact that ego and dealing with the, the, the ego of the flesh, right? The ego of the flesh is feed me, and it's feeding me the things that are going to serve me, right? When those things don't serve me, then I'm looking to, to, to supplement them with something else. That's what, the, what the, uh, the women are about. That's what the kicks are about. That's what the cars are about. That's me feeding my flesh. The ego of the spirit is I want to be the best man I can possibly be. And if I'm in a healthy competition, like I'll give you an example. The band of brothers that I have in my life that are my counsel, they are the examples that I have of manhood in my life that I am in a healthy competition with. If we became competitors in the competition of manhood in a healthy way, I'm looking at Envy and I'm watching how he's doing it. I'm like, wow, my brother is using this time right now in quarantine to help build himself, to help build his family. Yo, I got to do that. And then what I want to do is I want to surpass that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you talk about manhood, we, we got to get out of here, uh, Andre, but when you talk about manhood, you know, it's, it's got to be sacred masculinity. You know, sacred masculinity, divine feminine, that's how you have a healthy, healed, balanced life to me. And Andre, we will definitely pick this back up at a, a, another time because I feel like that was amazing and inspirational. And I love that you are really about the work. You've definitely been helpful to me personally. So I do want to say that I appreciate you or even behind the scenes things that you've done for me. And I do want to leave us with a quote from the book. And it says, I believe that a man who is truly successful is one with healthy and whole relationships. Thus, the women in a successful man's life usually feel honored, covered, protected, and heard. My goal every day is to make my mom, my wife, my daughter, and all the other sisters in my path, related or not, feel that way as well. And I really feel Mm. that. So I know this book is about malehood versus manhood, but it is something that was beneficial for me to be able to read also. And everybody should check out your series too. I saw Will Smith was on there, Boris Koljo, and I know you have more coming. Oh yeah, I've got a whole bunch, but I need to speak to what you just said because it's, it's so powerful and it really, um, I'm, I'm finding, uh, getting emotional because you know, from time to time, I, you know, I'll check in with you and just, you know, Hey, how you doing? And just go out with, you know, big bro, whatever you need from me, I'm, I'm, I'm always there. 
um, this book is not just for males and, and, or, or, or men. It's for our sisters, too, because many of our sisters have gone unfathered. And so this book fills in some of the blanks that have been left by being unfathered. It also allows them to be taught the difference of what a male and a man is so that they can understand what they're supposed to be looking for mm-hmm. in being appropriately partnered. You know, many of us, many of our sisters choose uh, the, uh, the brothers in their life because of the things that we mentioned, you know, recently. Or, wow, he's got a great job. Or he's got great pecs. Or look at that beard. Or he's cute. And all of those things. And, and none of those things speak to his manhood at all. In getting into this book, it will teach our sisters exactly what a man is and how it serves them. And it yes. speaks to them being restored and resuscitated out of missing what they didn't get from their fathers. So All right. that's the whole space that we need to get to in order for us to, you know, get to the, the, the place in life that's going to be rich. And I'm not talking about money. Right. All right, brother. Thank you, well, thank, you. thank you for checking in. We appreciate it. My thank brothers, you, Ken. My sister, I appreciate y'all. Man, thank you so much for having this conversation. I look forward to part two. All right, it's Dondre Whitfield. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. What's up? It is The Breakfast Club, and it's Friday. And it's also an extended weekend for people who are still having to work and, you know, are happy they have Monday off, or maybe some people don't have Monday off, but it is still Friday, so Fridays always feel good, right? Yeah, and I know a lot of people had plans for for this Memorial Day weekend. I know you wanted to go out of town. Maybe they had a little vacation plan, and, of course, that's not happening. But just thank God that you're alive. Thank God that you're healthy. Thank God that your family's alive, your family's healthy. You know, just appreciate what you have and not what you're missing. Yeah, and I also want to give a shout-out to Quavo. I see that he got his high school uh, diploma, so that's a big deal. Congratulations to him. I know that's something that he's been wanting to do. He said, I finally can say I graduated high school class of 2020. We lit. And then he said, now what college should I go to? And then they also put out a new song, Amigos, featuring NBA Youngboy. So, and it's a, it's a, I like it. It's a dope song. That song hard. Who listened to did Quavo mm-hmm. graduate in night school or something? Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Maybe he was going online. I'm not sure how he did it. Maybe he got his GED. Yeah, the reason I'm thinking about that is because I graduated in night school and I never had a cap and gown picture. They just sent my they just sent my diploma in the mail and was like, "Here, I feel a way about right, that." Well, now that I think about it. Berkmar High, Northside, baby, is what he wrote. Also, shout out to Gunna. He has his new album out today, Wanna. And uh, shout out to Jacob Lattimore. He has his new album out today as well. So as you know, there's always new music out on Friday. So there's some things for you guys to listen to this weekend. I was going to say thank you to Dondre Whitfield uh, for coming this coming this morning, as well as yes, Vice President Mill, Joe Biden. Yes, thank you to both of them, male versus man. I appreciate it, Dondre, because we really do have, like, some great conversations you know, he'll be like, listen, sister, let me tell you what's been going, you know, what you need to do. And he'll definitely hit me up and check on me. So I appreciate people that are authentic. Like he's not just writing this book and saying these things, but he really is like that in real life. So I appreciate that. And uh, yes, and shout out to Joe Biden as well. Are you voting for him? Um, I don't know yet. To be totally honest. I don't know. I need to see a little bit more. You know, that's what that's the whole point of, you know, having these conversations you know, with these presidential candidates, you know, I mean, if his reasoning, for, you know, for people like me that still might be skeptic- skeptical, if he says, yo, if you vote for me, if you vote for Trump over me, you're not black. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> like, I need, I'm, I'm not voting for Trump, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm voting for Biden either, but we shall see. I'm very so interested who to see who's is running there. in the race. <laughs> 
Mm. I mean, right. nobody. I can write in. I can write in something, or I can vote vote down ballot and then write in something at the top, or vote down ballot and leave the top open. There's plenty of different ways to vote. But then you're the not so. still voting for, yeah, president. So that's, that's, that's why one. it matters who it matters who his running mate is, and it matters who he has around him in a real, real way. Simple as that. Well. I- I just really do hope Amy Klobuchar is not the one. I do like Val Demings. I'm not mad at that. Not mad at Kamala, but please not Amy. It's it's amazing to me that people got... And listen, I agree. Amy's record as a prosecutor is horrible, but I'm like, where was that energy for Amy during the primaries? Like, they gave Kamala hell for her record as a prosecutor, and her record is nowhere near as terrible as Amy's. But they didn't give Amy no smoke Well, I, I don't think Amy now. was ever really a contender or a front runner during that time, so I don't think it was like... She Nobody was a, thought she, she was, was dead, though. I know, but she, she was, was always there. like, she. I don't think anybody was like, know. she's about to be the president. <laughs> All right, well, we still have the positive note on the way. It's The Breakfast Club. What's up? It's The Breakfast Club. I'm Angela Yee. And uh, Charlamagne, you have a positive note? I do. Uh, my positive note for the weekend is I am in the process of positive change. I am unfolding in fulfilling ways. Only good can come to me. I now express health, happiness, prosperity, and peace of mind. Breakfast club, bitches! You all finished or y'all done?